Hey folks, welcome to Venture Boldly, the podcast of the Discover Cowspell Chamber, your go-to source for everything you need to know about what's happening in the business and local communities right here in Kalispell in the Flathead Valley, and I'm your host, Drew Zagorski. Today we're talking with the superintendent of Kalispell Public Schools and recent winner of the Kalispell Chamber's Educator of the Year Award, Micah Hill. Micah's a graduate of Polson High School and has his B.A. in English from Montana State University and his M.A. in Educational Leadership and his superintendent endorsement from the University of Montana. He began his career in teaching at Colstrip, Big Fork, and at Flathead High School before segueing into administration at Kalispell Junior High, Linderman School, and Glacier High School. Micah was named the superintendent of Kalispell Public Schools in 2020, and he's married to Nicole, his wife of 28 years, with three adult children, Noah, Annie, and Simon. Kalispell Public Schools is the largest school district in northwest Montana with two high schools, an ag center, an alternative education center, a middle school, and six elementary schools for a total enrollment of over 6,000 K-12 students. The school district is embarking on a multi-year transformational learning initiative which will revamp the future of learning for students of all Kalispell Public Schools. So sit tight for a minute as we learn a bit about our sponsors, and then we'll be back with my conversation with Micah Hill. In the fall of 2002, four Flathead River raft guides saw an opportunity to make a difference. The group launched Nomad Global Communication Solutions with a simple but important goal, keeping people connected. Two decades later, Nomad GCS builds cutting-edge mobile operations centers for public safety, disaster response, healthcare, telecom, and defense for customers like NASA, FEMA, Verizon, and every branch of the United States military. At Nomad, the world's most advanced mobile operations centers are designed, manufactured, and integrated. One look at the -the state-of-the-art equipment and jaw-dropping projects in progress, and you'll understand why Nomad GCS was voted Best Manufacturer and Runner-Up Best Employer in the Daily Interlakes 2022 Best of Flathead Awards. If you'd like to learn more and work for Nomad GCS, go to nomadgcs.com. If you want connection with other businesses, to be at the heart of the Kalispell and Flathead business community, to support action for creating a vibrant, thriving, growing climate, not just for your business, but for our entire business community, you want to be part of the Kalispell Chamber. As a catalyst for business growth, a convener of business leaders and influencers, and a champion for Kalispell and the entire Flathead community, becoming part of the Kalispell Chamber is an investment in the future of your business and our community. To learn more about becoming a partner of the Chamber, call 406-758-5054. Again, the number is 406-758-5054 or go to kalispellchamber.com. So hi, Micah, and thanks for joining us for this episode of Venture Bowling. And as a way of getting the conversation going, uh, congratulations on being named the Discover Kalispell 2022 Educator of the Year. Well, thanks, Drew. Appreciate that. Yeah. Um, Now, I want to talk about that award a little bit. Receiving that really kind of shows your commitment to education and teaching and most of all your students. So talk to me a little bit about how you were inspired to go into education and then shifting from being in a classroom teaching to the leadership within the school system. 
Sure. Well, I think, first of all, just to acknowledge that, uh, you know, receiving that award, I was pretty humbled by that um, and certainly don't see that as a, a direct result of anything, one thing that I did, uh, but rather the collective uh, efforts of of a great group of people uh, in Kalispell, uh, our teachers, our custodians, our bus drivers, uh, you know, anybody that's involved in our organization um, and certainly parents and, and community support um, for that. So, uh, just really humbled uh, to have been selected for that. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, when it comes to uh, education and, and what inspired me, I, I think um, for a lot of a lot of people that go into education, you're inspired by the, the teachers and the other people that you're surrounded by um, and the people that uh, serve uh, kids and, and just trying to make a difference um, in their lives and and inspire them to go on and be something um, uh Great too, and so I, I certainly had a number of of teachers and coaches and uh, administrators that uh, influenced me uh, over time, and and I think you know initially going out of high school and and into college, I wasn't exactly sure that that's what I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. Um, but ended up in the classroom uh, as an English teacher, and then uh, um, shortly thereafter, one of the things that uh, you know, you're kind of told to do is, hey, you got to move across the salary schedule. So I uh, started my uh, uh, degree in administration um, and really haven't okay. looked back since. Uh, been doing this for 21 years now as an administrator. Right. Now, uh, speaking of which, you came in as the superintendent in March of 2020, right at the beginning of COVID. And, you know, that put a lot of challenges on educators and students, both as well as parents. Um, so, one of the things we're going to talk about today, and I'm wondering if this played into any of the movement in this direction, um, we talked about transformational education and um, doing things a little bit differently. Uh, so I'm curious as to whether that whole event in 2020 played into the moves you're making. And then where are Kalispell schools in terms of progressing in the area of transformational education? Sure. I, well, I, I'll tell you that, you know, coming into the superintendency and, and not really knowing um, what was going to transpire uh, with COVID, um, I was actually hired for the, for the position uh, two weeks before schools were shut down. Um, so it was just, mm. it was kind of a brand new thing. Um, but I think my vision for education for the long term has been, I think we can do things better. I think we are uh, hamstrung a little bit by constraints that are, uh, that exist. I don't, I don't ever think that we've done a bad job um, in education. I just think that there's always room for improvement in ways that we can be better. And so um, looking uh, that first year as superintendent, it was really something I wanted to take on then. But in the midst of COVID, it just didn't seem like it was the appropriate time. And so we we pushed it off a year um, to really look okay. and, and define what is transformational learning. And transformational learning is just really a flexible system of competency-based, student-centered uh, learning. It's a, it's a different approach. Rather than the teacher being at the front of the classroom, I'm the sage on the stage, I tell you what you need to know, and then you regurgitate it back to me. Right. Um, that, that's something that we were trying to address and then also address just constraints. Um, you know, a lot of times I will say to uh, the, the public or the community or parents, um, you know, who said that the only time I am capable of learning is between Labor Day and Memorial Day, between the hours of 8 a.m. and 3 p.m. and for 180 days a year. 
Whoever right. said that, that was the only time. And so when you start to challenge some of those kind of assumptions, and um, <clears throat> I think that's what creates that that opportunity for what is being defined as transformational learning. Uh, I think we can ask ourselves questions like, wouldn't it be great if our kids could earn an earth science credit in Glacier National Park or in a mm-hmm. six-week summer course? Wh- who said that every student needs to take freshman English, that every student is not at some in some way proficient in the content area uh, without forcing them to say, everybody has to do this. Uh, right. And so just taking a different approach to that. And, and it doesn't mean that we don't have four years of education or four years of English required. It's just that you're looking at a different way of doing that and not putting right. those time constraints. So a uh, question, is it really kind of like uh, you're, you're assessing the strengths of the student and then kind of crafting lessons around that and helping them approach educate problems and, you know, uh, theories and things like that in a way that's going to be more natural for the way they're wired. Oh, absolutely. I think that's a great way to frame that up is that, um, you know, for example, uh, you know, students come in at, at developmentally appropriate levels for all sorts of things, whether it's writing or reading or, or math concepts. And rather than saying, well, because you are seven years old and you belong in second grade, we could say, oh, gosh, you're a seven-year-old who's capable of reading at, say, the fourth grade level. Why don't mm-hmm. we design and implement curriculum around students who do that as opposed to around grade levels or ages? Um, at the high school level, um, you know, uh, as an example, I wasn't particularly strong in math. Um, and it might have taken, I might have benefited from having a little more time in math rather than saying, oh, well, if you don't meet these standards in this time frame, in this 180 days, you flunk or you right. get a D rather than saying, gosh, Micah just needs a little bit more time in this area. And so we can give that to him. We have that flexibility to be able to do that. Right. Uh, along the same lines, and in my own example was the same way. I was I, I struggled with math. And for me, it was I get a problem and I could solve it in my head, but it's prove the work. And if you're not proving it the way the textbook says it's supposed to be done, you're getting dinged for it. But I would come up with the correct answers. And it's just how I work the numbers in my in my brain. Um, so that kind of thing. Yeah, I, I think that's a, another great example. Um, and so, you know, looking at students, um, you know, innate ability, uh, the things that they've already learned and keeping in mind that kids come to us um, with disabilities. Uh, students come to us with um, great um I'll just say parental involvement as far as having a rich vocabulary and developing reading skills from an early age. And so now you can get to a, a place where it doesn't matter where they're coming in from or, or where they're at. You have the ability to say we can adapt and modify to meet the needs of those kids where they're at at the time that they come to us. Uh, OK, now I have a question because I, I come from a family of educators. My brother-in-law is a teacher in the Waldorf system. And they approach educating in this manner that we're talking about here. Uh, One of the interesting things I thought with the way they do it is as much as they can, they keep the kids with the teacher throughout their career at the school. Mm -hmm. What are your thoughts about something like that? Well, I think there's pockets of it um, that already exist in public education. We have um, looping um, where you have a, a, a group of kids who would maybe uh, go from second grade to third grade with the same teacher. 
Um, sometimes, you know, having teachers who are capable of, of teaching, you know, kindergarten all the way through eighth grade uh, is certainly a, a possibility, but someone maybe really specializes in early literacy. And so you may want to really focus teachers in that area. Mm-hmm. Um, so I wouldn't necessarily say that's something that's a requirement, but it's certainly a possibility. I think, too, even at our middle school, we we team uh, kids. So you have a group of educators who are committed to a a uh, smaller group of students who, um, you know, understanding where they're at, uh, not only from an educational standpoint, but a social emotional standpoint. Um, so there's, there's great possibility in those things too. Mm-hmm. Uh, just another personal note. My mother was my fifth grade teacher, best teacher I ever had. Cause she knew how I thought <laughs> anyway, <laughs> um, it, it had some downsides too, but always knew when I had homework or tests and I never got off the hook for anything. Have you checked out WorkforceFlathead.com? Workforce Flathead is a collaboration between local education, business, and government partners to connect students, businesses, and employers with each other. WorkforceFlathead.com is a custom-built online home for all things workforce in the Flathead Valley. You'll find business and education resources, jobs and job fair information, links to apprenticeships, and a whole lot more. There's even a library of locally produced career videos, perfect for students and job seekers, to introduce them to career paths in Northwest Montana. To learn more, visit WorkforceFlathead.com today. But anyway, let's talk about the business community and how they can partner with the school district and create these real-world connections. Sure. Um, Well, I I think... For a long time, Kalispell Public Schools has been working with, um, you know, specifically the Chamber of Commerce um, and then around workforce development and uh, and some of those things where, you know, we're trying to get kids um, uh, exposed to a variety of career choices and and different things that, that exist. Uh, one of the things that we've done uh, in particular to support that is we've hired a what we call a work-based learning coordinator. Um, we're okay. actually looking at changing the the title to a, a, a career discovery um, coordinator because uh, work-based learning sounds like work, um, but a career right. isn't necessarily work. It's something that you love right. to do, something that you have a keen interest in. Um, and so looking at how we can partner with manufacturing, with the college, with uh, local business uh, members for creating these internships and externships where kids get uh, practical skills and and opportunities to explore, um, you know, what potentially could be a lifelong uh, career for them. Um, and it's different than saying a school district wants to be like a job service. We don't want to be, you know, um, handing out applications for McDonald's and, and things like that, where they're going to have, a you know, uh, you know, obviously an opportunity, but but there's already a niche that exists there. We're really trying to say, what does this look like into the future? Do students need to have a four-year degree in the future? Or are we going to be looking at more like certificates and um, competency-based type programs uh, for students to be successful and have, um, you know, amazing careers? So, Right. Are you familiar with the Explorers program? I don't know if it's still around, but when I was young, uh, they had... I think it was through the Boy Scouts, but you they called it the Explorers and where you can go and shadow people in their day-to-day life. I did it for uh with with an attorney. And when I realized how much reading was involved, <laughs> I said, maybe, maybe something different. I'll do something. Is there anything little. where I can just talk all the time? Right, right. Yeah, yeah. there you go. There you yeah. go. But is it you know, that kind of a concept? 
I would say it's that kind of a concept. I don't know that I haven't heard of the Explorer program uh, myself, but I think as we try and, um, you know, meet the needs within the community and and even as you respond to where are workforce shortages and, and where are, um, it's hard to predict what it's going to look like 10 years from now, even five years from now, right? You take right. a a middle school student and what is it going to look like for them uh, five years from now in terms of job opportunities and the market and and those kind of things. So giving kids a lot of options and kind of our hope would be that, um, you know, maybe a student says, you know, I I think I'm really interested in being a vet tech, right? And so Mm -hmm. we get them an internship or an externship where they get to put in some time with veterinarians, with other vet techs, and they realize like, this isn't what I want to do. But I walk away from that experience with a list of skills and, and things that I'm, I'm capable of doing. And I can take that and it's transferable to something else in the community. And so maybe it's I think now I want to be an attorney. Um, oh, wait a minute. There's a lot of reading and writing involved in being an attorney. I didn't realize that. I do have some skills I can take with me from that and now apply it somewhere else. Right. Like on a podcast. <laughs> exactly. On a podcast. Um, <laughs> um, point of order, Your Honor. Uh, let's talk about school funding. How do you think that um, the the local and state governments and the federal governments uh, can improve how they are funding schools? And then the second half of that question is how how do how can the community support the district's funding needs? Sure. Well, in really simple terms, um, Montana uh, public education funding is is complex, and to boil it down, the state basically says we will support eighty percent of the obligation to fund the school district. So they calculate, here's what your maximum budget can be based on how many teachers you have, how many students. Um, There's a a few different things that factor in that. And they say 80%, which is great. Um, When you think about it in those terms, that's reading, writing, arithmetic. It's really basic um, support. And so then there's this other 20% that has to come from local taxpayers uh, by design uh, to support that. So for example, um, maybe a community is really supportive of the arts. And so they want to see that be a part of it. And so as a school district says, hey, we're going to run a levy uh, for X amount of dollars, and it's going to support this program, this program, this program, and this program. Um, and so in the absence of doing that, those things become really hard to fund. Um, and so, uh, you know, in a in a perfect world, I would think that if the le- state legislature is going to determine that this is what it costs to operate a school, or this is what your maximum budget is, that it should be funded at 100%, regardless yeah. of, of whether the local community says, yeah, we support that or not. You know, and especially when you look at it through the lens of the things that have happened recently around transformational learning, advanced opportunities, some things that they've said, hey, we're going to support this, but in really short time period um, and, you know, so a short duration and with not a whole lot of funds being directed into those things. You have to figure it out with what you currently have. Uh, Now, are are local businesses taking on any of that, you know, in terms of, you know, donations and that sort of thing? Oh, sure. Um, I, I think there's a, a variety of that that goes on. We we get donations for, you know, very specific things um, over time. There is a uh, innovative education program tax credit uh, that's a dollar for dollar tax credit that's available to all public schools. Um, last year, it was capped at a million dollars. The community of Big Sky, Montana, uh, got 800,000 of that million dollars. Um, Kalispell Public Schools got 80,000. 
And, it, you know, it was basically, it was a horse race. Uh, who could type information in the fastest and how much were those, were those donations? Because you could contribute up to $200,000 per individual. Um, so it didn't really take much for Big Sky to get there. For Kalispell, um, we weren't even in the ballpark of that with at least 30 donations pledged. Um, but it was a, it was a, it was a timing, um, thing that, that cap goes up to 2 million this year, but I think we're going to be in the, in the same picture, um, again, this year, it, those, all of that was exhausted in under six minutes. Uh, so we keep working on that, but there are, you know, um, gosh, I, I can think of, you know, multiple banks and different businesses that, uh, have supported Kalispell public schools in particular, um, over the years. And, but it's for very specific things. I think when it comes to, you know, levies and bonds, our Kalispell chamber has always been supportive. Um, I know our local media, the daily interlake has always come out in support of those kind of things. Now, earlier, you kind of talked a little bit about the future. You were starting to touch on that. What's your vision for Kalispell Public Schools in five years' time? And what would an average day look like in three or four more years for a 10th or 11th grader? Sure. Um, Well, let's start with the vision. Number one, I I think Kalispell Public Schools already does amazing things working within the the box that we have, Um, you know, public education and, and it's kind of most basic form has been around for a hundred plus years. Uh, and so I think Kalispell has really embraced um, the opportunity to take on new challenges, provide, you know, enriching curriculum and programs and different things that uh, aren't even required by law uh, to do. So that part of it, I, I'm I'm glad about, but five years from now, I, I would hope that Kalispell is a model for uh, every district in the state and other districts in the nation to uh, look at and say, man, if they can do that, uh, we can too. Um, you know, our vision is just to continue to be better um, and provide as rich opportunities as we can for our students. Uh, one of the things uh, last year, I was had an opportunity to talk at the at one of the chamber luncheons and I asked our the people there to write down, what are your hopes and dreams for, your, for our kids when they graduate high school? Mm-hmm. And just give them about a minute to write down on a piece of paper. And, and so they wrote things down. And, and then I had a slide and I said, how many of you by show of hands wrote down that your hopes and dreams are, is for your kid to have a 4.0 GPA? Not one hand went up. How many of it right, was right, it for my right. kid to be in an Ivy League school? Not one hand went up. How many of it was to be these, you know, the all-star quarterback? Not one hand went up. What I heard over and over again was, I want my kid to be well-rounded. I want them to be able to communicate. I want them to be able to be an independent thinker. I want them to be able to love people. I want them to feel like they were loved when they were at school. Um, and so it's really things that are, are somewhat intangible, but yet tangible. We recognize that as a, as a community, that, that these are really important things to us um, in the development of, of children over time. So um, so the next question, you know, what's an average day look like? Um for a 10th or 11th grader, I think, I hope it's a, an opportunity um, for students to be able to access school on any given day of the week, um, mm-hmm. that it's not just about sitting inside a classroom for 180 hours to earn my seat time to get that credit. I hope that they are um, engaged in the community. I hope that they're having real world experiences um, that it's not based on time. And if you don't get it at first, you have time to continue to, to get it. And if you uh, ha- already have it and know it, let's move on to something else. Um, right, and let's right, let's right. just continue to, to grow as, as individuals. Okay. Now, what about your vision for Kalispell in general in the next five years? 
what would you like to see transpire here? Yeah. Um, gosh, I love this community. Um, there are a lot of, of great people and, and innovators and people who are thinking about, um, about the future. And I, you know, I just want to see um, Kalispell continue to be a place that people want to come to. Um, certainly fastest growing micropolitan area uh, in the United States. And there's a reason. And I think part of that reason is we have amazing schools and, and systems in place that uh, people want to bring their families to and and um, and just see our community thrive. Well, okay, Micah, I, I want to congratulate you again on being named the 2022 Educator Year. And thanks for joining me and sharing your insights about all of this stuff. Great work. Beautiful things are happening. And I think the kids of Kalispell are going to be a fantastic generation moving forward. So uh, thanks again for this. And thanks to all our listeners as well for listening to the episode of Venture Boldly, the podcast of the Discover Kalispell Chamber. We'd love to hear your thoughts about today's topic and about the podcast in general, which you can listen to at kalispellchamber.com forward slash podcast or wherever you listen to podcasts. And you can reach us via the contact page at kalispellchamber.com or via Facebook, Instagram and Twitter at Kalispell Chamber. Next time on Venture Boldly, I'll be talking with another educator, Dr. Jane Karras, the president of Flathead Valley Community College and the recipient of the Discover Kalispell 2022 Flathead Legacy Award. I'm your host, Drew Zagorski. He's Micah Hill, superintendent of Kalispell Public Schools. Venture Boldly, friends. Appearance on the Venture Boldly podcast does not constitute an endorsement of goods or services. The Venture Boldly podcast is a production of the Discover Kalispell Chamber and is produced by the Chamber in partnership with Left Brain, Right Brain Marketing. You can find the Discover Kalispell Chamber at kalispellchamber.com and Left Brain, Right Brain Marketing at lbrbm.com.